We're going to be looking at that passage about how, how there was a man that had unbelief, but he still, and he was asking the Lord to help his unbelief. Uh, and as we get into this story, it's going to be in Mark chapter 9, and it's also in Matthew and Luke also, but we're going to look at the, the little longer account in Matthew, or in Mark, which is interesting because usually Mark is a little bit shorter on the, on the stories. He's a little bit more to the point. Uh, but when I looked at these, Matthew, Mark, and Luke on this same account, Matthew was the one that kind of went through it quickly, and Luke kind of gave a few more details, but Mark was the one that expounded. So maybe for some reason Mark really wanted to, to give this, these details. And so we're going to look at this today in Mark chapter 9. And as we, as we get into this story, we see right away there's a lot of chaos that's happening. There's, there's arguing. There's, there's people that are upset and frustrated. There's craziness that's happening. And I was thinking, what, where do I see stuff like that in my life? And I thought, no, not my family. No, no, no. Not at that. Um, it's having six kids. It's not, there's nothing chaotic about that. I was thinking about the, this, this show that used to be on TV that I never watched, but I saw some highlights, I guess. Uh, the Jerry Springer Show. The Jerry Springer Show was this, this guy, that he used to be the mayor of uh, Cincinnati, and he had people come on, and, and he just like, staged these fights. He just one of these family members to be mad at each other, and just all kinds of chaos was happening. I don't know how many of you guys are familiar with that show, but that was a lot of arguing and chaos, and that's kind of was my thought. Like, what's, what is this arguing, chaos, and just craziness that's happening? Now, this scene that we step into, Jesus has just been with his three inner circle disciples, Peter, James, and John, and he's taken them to a, a place on a high off mountain, a high top of the mountain, and he had just showed them his deity. He showed them that he is truly God. And so it, each of the Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they talk about how Jesus' face shone like and his clothes were white, brighter than any way that it could be bleached. And just things like that, right? So the, we, they saw Jesus transfigured, not just Jesus the man, but Jesus the God. And so Jesus is fully man, fully God. And we're, today we're going to see this about Jesus, who's the one that, that restores. He cares about our restoration. He cares about healing. And we see this all through the Gospels, that he heals people in different ways. He wants to restore. And so these, these disciples had just been with Jesus, and they saw Jesus in this transfigured state. I can't imagine being in that state of seeing how Jesus was just clearly, clearly God. Not just man at that point, but clearly as, as God. And, so, and Peter is even just like, uh, let's, we need to stay here forever. Let's, let's build shelters. Let's, let's just, this is awesome. Peter just didn't really know what to say, but he was just saying something, right? But, but when they come back from, they come down the mountain and Jesus tells them that he's going to die, and he says that on the third day he's going to rise, and the disciples were like, wait, what, is, what does that mean to rise from the dead? That's, that's, we can't compute that, so let's just not ask Jesus about that. Uh, that's confusing. Uh, but they come into this scene that's chaos. And there's this scene where the, the other nine disciples are there, and this man is there, and there's this kid that's there, and doing all kinds of crazy things, and the elders and the teachers of the law, the scribes, they're all upset, they're arguing, they're yelling at each other. 
So let's pick this up in Mark chapter 9, starting in verse 14. So it says, When it came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them, and the teachers of the law were arguing with them. As soon as the people all saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder, and they ran to greet him. Think about this. These, these people were just, they were there hoping to see something that was going to happen, that was going to be a miracle. And the disciples couldn't do it. And so when Jesus shows up right away, they are running, the people are running to Jesus. They're like, he's the real deal. His disciples are, yeah, they're, they're learning and they're, they're, you know, they're spending time with him. But here's the guy, here's Jesus, let's go to him. And so they run to Jesus. They were, they were overwhelmed with wonder, the amazement. So they ran to him. Verse 16 says, Jesus asked, what are you arguing about with them? And the, the man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son, who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of his speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him, into the, throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. The situation is this. The disciples had been given authority by Jesus earlier to, to heal people that were demon-possessed, to, to, to do all kinds of things, but they had been given authority, and, he, and, and we know they had done that on their missionary trips and stuff. But now, when Jesus is gone at the mountain, and they come back, these nine disciples were not able to do it. And so this man is really distraught. This father wants his son to be restored. He wants his son to be healed. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where you are desperate. There's someone that you love that is not doing well. And you want more than anything for them to be healed. And you'll go to whatever it takes, whoever it takes, that's going to heal, that's going to give you hope that, that this man or that this person in your life can be healed. And so this, this dad was coming to Jesus. He was coming to Jesus because he wanted his son healed. He wanted his son restored. And he doesn't find Jesus. He finds the next best thing he thought, the disciples. But the disciples we know, and as, us too as disciples, we're not the same as Jesus. Now, Jesus gives power and authority. He gives, he gives His Spirit to us so that we can bring His kingdom wherever we go. We can bring Him. But to the, in this situation, it wasn't enough because it caused... The, these disciples, I, I'm sure they were thinking, okay, we, we've done this before. Here's how we do it. The formula is we say this and this, and then it, the demon goes away, and people are happy. It wasn't working. I, I, I kind of wonder, like, did each of the nine disciples try this? Were, were they all, okay, okay now, what, now what do we do? Okay. And so there was arguing, there was chaos, there was yelling. The, the teachers of the law were probably like, hey, you guys don't have authority to do this. You guys aren't allowed to, like, you know, so there's just all kinds of stuff happening. And, and in the midst of this, there's, there's somebody that's hurting. 
this, this father is hurting because he's seeing his son in this terrible state by this demon. And Jesus enters the scene in this chaos. He enters the scene seeing this sadness. And Jesus says in verse 19 here, he says, You unbelieving generation, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. I imagine Jesus here, he's just sad that his disciples are not, are not able to do what he's given them power to do. He's sad that, his, that, that they're not believing. He's sad that there's all this chaos. He's sad that this, this boy is not healed. He's sad about this unbelieving generation. Verse 20, it says, so they brought him. So they brought him. And when the Spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell at the ground, and he rolled around foaming at the mouth. Now this is a, this is a scene where this is, bad things are happening. And when bad things are happening, where do we go? Are we drawn to Jesus? Are we drawn to others? Are we drawn to to find the self-help fixes. I mean, if you go on YouTube, there's all kinds of self-help things. I mean, I don't know about demon possession, but there's all kinds of ways that you can fix things. 911, there you go. Jesus draws people to himself. Here we see the man is, is drawn to Jesus. We see the crowd is drawn to Jesus. And so... Jesus is drawing people to himself. I believe Jesus draws us to himself. This father had had a very exhausting life. He's been seeing how his son, this demon has made his son try to kill him through, in fires and water, all these, these ways of, that this is very dangerous. Can you imagine how exhausted this man was? how afraid he was. When you, when I, are afraid, when we need help, where do we go? Are we drawn to the Lord? Do we believe that Jesus has the power and the authority to help? Do we believe that he can solve our problems? Do you believe that he cares about you and he wants you to come to him with your problems? But just because we come to Jesus with our problems doesn't mean Jesus always fixes the problems. We, we see that it's not just, Jesus is not just a vending machine. He's not just, he's not like a, a genie in a, in a lamp. He doesn't do whatever we want, but he wants us to come to him. Jesus said in John 16:33, in this world you will have trouble. You're going to have trouble. There's going to be problems, but Jesus says, take heart because I have overcome the world. So let's go to Jesus, even when we aren't sure of things. Even when we are sure of things, let's go to Jesus. Jesus wants you to come to him. He says, bring the boy to me. We'll see how this story continues after this evil spirit has thrown this boy into this convulsion on the ground. In verse 21, 
Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been doing this? And the father answered, from childhood. And then he gives some more explanation. He says, it has often thrown him into the fire it's tried to, or the water and has tried to kill him. He, he's giving this more description. Like, it's not just that this is really bad that's happening in my life. It's not just bad enough that he, there's a demon, but also this demon is trying to kill him. Satan wants nothing more than to kill, steal, and destroy. Satan wants God to be sad. He wants people to be sad. He wants people to believe lies. Satan is doing anything he can to take people away from Jesus, to take people away from God. And here, in this case, this demon has, is possessing this boy. And not only is this boy suffering, but his family is suffering. And so this man continues and he says, this, this father says, but if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can do anything, Jesus, please help us. And Jesus replies by saying, if you can? And he says, everything is possible to the one who believes. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. This boy was in a bad place. His father was desperate. He brought him to Jesus. But even though he didn't have a lot of faith, he still brought him to Jesus. He's, not, he's, he's just asking, Jesus, take pity on us. Please help us have compassion on our situation. We're, we're in a mess. My boy is going to die sooner or later if this, is, this problem isn't solved. Please restore him. Please help us. But this, this reveals that he doesn't fully believe. And Jesus kind of, he catches that right away. He's like, if, I, if you can, you, you think that I, you think I can, but you're not quite sure? And I wonder, is, is this kind of how we think sometimes? Do we think, Jesus, if, if you're in a good mood today, if you really want to show me kindness this week, you know, if you can, I, I think you probably can, but I don't want to bother you too much. Jesus wants to help you. He wants you to be restored. He brings restoration. He brings his life into the situations where there is not life. And Jesus says everything is possible. Now, what does this mean that everything is possible for one who believes? Does that mean I can believe anything I can, and then anything will happen? Well, in, in Matthew, he goes more into details of this, and this is where he gets into, if you have enough faith, you can move mountains. And that's, that's always been really confusing. What does that mean? Like, if I want to move mountains, all I have to do is have enough faith. But Jesus, it's not about, I don't think it's about us, it's about him. Do we have faith in him? Do we think that he has all power that he can do anything. So yes, everything is possible to God and us who believe in God and believe in his power. And so this, this man, he wants to believe in this. He says, please help me. Help me overcome my unbelief. Jesus sees 
his prayer. He sees his desperation. He sees this man's situation. And he doesn't rebuke him. He doesn't say, how dare you think I can't do this? If you, because you think I can only just, if I want to, if I can, well, then I'm not going to. No, he doesn't do any of that stuff. But Jesus draws people to himself, and then Jesus grows faith in those who come to him. Jesus wants this man to have faith. He wants his, this man's unbelief to turn into belief. He wants this man to be made whole again, his son to be made whole again, to be restored, and that all glory would not go to him but to the Father. And so Jesus, he draws people to himself, and he grows faith of those who come to him. So do we have enough faith that even when we are not sure, even when we're doubting, even when we, there's hard things in our life, are we coming to Jesus? Are we honest with Jesus? Because I think sometimes maybe we think that we have to have the perfect prayer or that we have to say the, the right formula, like the disciples. They, they, they had the right thing of how they cast out the demon and it didn't work. Uh, we think maybe we have to say the right things and, and do the right things. We have to believe the right things. But Jesus didn't rebuke this man. Jesus wants his faith to grow. He wants our faith to grow, but he wants us to come to him even when we doubt, even when we aren't sure. So right away, it says in verse 25, <clears throat> when, this, when this man said, help me overcome my belief, Jesus then saw the crowd and he was, the crowd was running to the scene. The crowd sees Jesus. They're like, oh, something's going to happen. This, something's going to happen and this boy is on the ground convulsing and all the kinds of stuff is happening. There's chaos. We want to see there's a lot of times in this, in this passage where it's talking about people seeing. So the people want to see, but Jesus here sees that the crowd is coming and he wants this man to grow in his faith and he wants this boy to be healed and restored. So it says that Jesus rebuked the impure spirit. He said, you deaf and mute spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently, and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said, He's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, and he lifted him to his feet, and he stood up. What a picture. What a picture of, of Jesus bringing life back to this boy. Jesus restoring him to wholeness. This, this demon wanted nothing but to hurt this boy to take life from this boy and this family. And Jesus wanted to restore. And Jesus did restore. And we can see here that, that Jesus restores life and wholeness to those who believe. This man, he brought just a little bit of faith. And he asked Jesus to help him with his unbelief. And Jesus then restores life and wholeness to this boy. Then afterwards, the disciples, they came and asked him privately, why couldn't we drive out this demon? It's a great question because I, th I think if they didn't ask the question, they're not going to learn. So even though sometimes as parents we get kind of 
tired of lots of questions, or maybe as grandparents you get tired of lots of questions, questions actually do help people learn. So the, this question that they asked Jesus, why didn't it work with us? Why couldn't we do this? Jesus replied, this kind can only come out by prayer. It's interesting here that what, what does this mean? That it only come out with prayer. Were they not relying on God? Were they not being dependent on God? Or were they just merely using the authority that had been given to them by Jesus to try to restore, to try to heal? Uh, this, this was uh, in our video, or in our, our reading yesterday, and I have a, a video I wanted to show you if you watched or listened to the Bible recap yesterday. Uh, just the, the ending of this part that Tara Lee Cobble shares about this story. The disciples seem to have a faith problem too, but it's hard to tell what it is because the two accounts seem to contradict each other at first. One says the demon can only be driven out by prayer, and the other says the demon wasn't driven out because the disciples didn't have faith. Here's one of the possible ways those statements could fit together. It's possible the disciples had faith in themselves, but not in God. And their self-reliance meant they didn't even stop to pray and ask God for help. They tried to access the power of God without connecting to the person of God. That's self-idolatry. God wants us to ask Him for help. He wants us to acknowledge our reliance on Him and to rightly view Him as the source of all things. We're not bugging Him when we ask for faith and ask for help. We're honoring Him. I love that he wants to help us because I need his help all the time. He's where the joy is. So do we go to, go to the Lord and ask him for help? Do we ask him, are we, are we dependent on the Lord? Or were these disciples dependent on the Lord or were they just trying to do it out of their own strength? I believe we often try to do it ourselves. We, we, we include Jesus sometimes, but often, we want to just try to do it on our own. These disciples, they, they had, we had the right recipe. We had the formula. We knew how to do it. We've done it before, so why do we need to pray about it? Jesus says, you need to pray. You need to be dependent on the Father. Because if we're not dependent on the Father, if we're not dependent on the Lord, then we're going to do things however we think is best. And that probably isn't actually what's best. So let's be dependent on the Lord. Actually, I should say, that's not, that's not what's going to be his best if, if it's just what we want, if what, what we think. But what God wants is what's best. That doesn't mean what God wants solves every problem that we have. But it does mean that he gives us his grace. He gives us his strength. He gives us the, the ability to depend on him, to rely on him, seek him out. And that's, that's what we can do. So if we're having a problem in our life and we go to God, then we're going to hear some kind of answer. Maybe the answer isn't the one we want, but we're going to hear an answer. It might be the answer of wait. It might be later. It might be no, or it might be yes. But the, the thing is, we need to go to God. We need to trust Him. We need to, to let God, let Jesus grow our faith. And that then Jesus will restore life. He'll restore wholeness to those who believe. You know, when things get broken, 
when things get wore out, someone can fix them or someone can throw them away. I know some people like, there's like auto shows where, you know, where there's like all these really old cars and they're all beat up really bad and everybody looks at them. No, nobody takes, the auto, nobody takes the cars to the auto show if they're all beat up. But they were all beat up and they were all old and they were not, maybe not working very well, but they, somebody took time to, to clean them, to find new parts, to find better parts, to, to buffer to use a buffer and sand and paint and make it all nice again. And there's something really exciting and neat to see an old car in the original state, in its nice condition. And I believe that's what Jesus is doing and wants to do with us. He wants to restore us to life and wholeness. He wants to bring us back to the original condition. Jesus has the power to restore what's been broken, and that's our main idea today. He has the power to restore what's been broken. And what has been broken? We are all broken. We are all broken. But sometimes we don't want to believe that we're broken. We want to think we can do it without Him. We're good enough, we're, we're fine. But when we believe that we are, need to be completely dependent on Him because we are broken then we're going to come to him. But if we think that we're good and we don't need Jesus, then we probably won't come to him. So my question to you is what areas, of, what areas in your life need to be restored? What needs wholeness? What needs to be made new again? And when we have doubts, when we have fear, are we willing to bring those to God? Are we willing to ask the Lord to help us to overcome our unbelief? Jesus wants you to come to him. Jesus wants us to, that our faith would grow. He wants to restore us to what he's made. Jesus is the one who restores. He, he took a, a situation where there's chaos, arguing, fighting, discouragement, and he brings life to that situation. He brings peace. He brings joy. He brings renewal. People are excited because he is where the joy is, is what we've been reading, we've been hearing in the Bible recap. Jesus is where the joy is. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that you are the one that restores. You are the one that brings life. You bring life into the, the darkness. You bring life into the, from the chaos. You bring life when things are looking bad, when things don't make sense. Lord, we pray that we would come to you, that even if we aren't sure, even if we don't have a strong faith. Lord, we pray that we would bring our doubts to you. Lord, we pray that you would give us faith, that you would grow our faith, that you would help our unbelief. Lord, that we would, that we would depend on you. We won't try to do it on our own. But that we would trust you, that you would give us a life that is 
resting in your joy and your peace and in your goodness. Thank you that you give us wholeness. And Lord, we pray that we would be a light to those around us, those that maybe are struggling with unbelief. God, that we would share you with them. Thank you that you restore what's been broken and help us to be agents of your grace and your peace this week. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.